Today we will be in Ephesians 2. We are talking about being saved by grace. Now, most of us, if not all of us, are aware that we are saved by grace, and that's it. The story stops there, amen? We're saved by grace, not works, so that no one can boast. That's where it begins and that's where it ends. Um, as I've prayed through this the past couple weeks, uh, one of the things that God has brought to me, specifically even um, last night, was Psalm 51.12. Restore, and this is not up um, on here, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So King David here in the Psalms is crying out. He made a... He, made a mistake, and he keeps on coming back to God, right? He keeps on coming back to him after making mistakes and coming back and coming back. And he just says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that's just where over the past couple weeks, maybe even months, that I feel like the church desires to be, where the joy of their salvation has returned. It feels like um, through prayer um, that much of the church just feels like, I'm not pointing the finger at everyone. I'm speaking to the hearts who are in this position. Is that fair? So I'm not accusing. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying there's, there's people in here, I believe. There's people around the world who um, need that joy of their salvation to return. They feel like they're just going through the motions. They feel like it's more of an obligation than a get-to. And uh, Mark Miller in our prayer meeting this morning just brought up the good fact of God allows us to get to these places where we want to become desperate for him and thirsty for him and long for him. And um, one of the songs that actually came on this morning that Mark brought up is As a Deer panteth for, so my soul longs for you. So one of the songs I was listening to is actually on the way to church. Can you guys believe I listened to that song? As a deer panteth for my water, so my soul after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. Now insert high-pitched woman. You alone are my strength, my shield. For you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. Come on, somebody. Amen. Never thought I'd be there. there. There it was. All right. So, singing that song, worshiping, God allows us to be at these places where we become desperate for him. And that's where I feel like the church, God's allowing the church to be during this season, is he's allowing us to be in this place where we become desperate for him. Amen? So with today's message, there's nothing about today's message, absolutely nothing about today's message that is about works or is even about holiness. Today's message is about being saved by grace and the power that comes with being saved by grace. And the power that comes with being saved by grace is the power that I want to walk in as a Christian. Because I get so tired of even what Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. And that wears on you, doesn't it? I want to operate with the power of the grace of God that comes with being a child of his and being born again. Don't want the waffling to happen within the church, within my life, within the world. I want my yes to be my yes and my no to be my no. So today it is grace. 
that we are saved by, and that's it. But you'll see why I have this introduction to share the tension. Ephesians is known as the best teacher of grace. But Ephesians also points to the past that grace has delivered us from. Ephesians, and when Paul's talking to the church in uh, Ephesus, he talks to the church as what they were delivered from. Let's pray. Father, pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, minds to comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, feet that want to run with obedience. May your word transform us today. May it communicate well. In Jesus' name, amen. So apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul reminds the Ephesians here of what life was like before Christ. What does he say? He says, you were dead. But what he first says is we were dead in our transgressions and sins. In the life of the believer, before they were born again, they were dead in their transgressions, their trespasses. But we were not just dead in our, or I guess our trespasses and our sins come in many ways. But not only were we dead, we were also many other things before Christ. I just wonder how much different church life and our experience and our devotions and our mornings and our days would look like if we would just remember what we used to be. How could we not wake up and want to be in his presence when we remember that we were dead in our sins? Either way, we weren't just dead, we were also blind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. So we were dead, and before we knew Christ, we were blind. We were a slave to sin. Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So though you used to be a slave to sin, so we used to be dead, we used to be blind, we used to be a slave to sin, we used to be lovers of darkness, John 3, 19 and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. We were sick, Mark 2, 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Before we knew Christ, we were these things. We were separate from Christ. Ephesians 2.12. We will not get to that today, so. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. We are separate from him. We are under dominion of darkness. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We are separated from the life of God. Ephesians 4.18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Paul continues in the life of in the life of a believer before they were born again. He continues in Ephesians 2. You and I were separated from the life of God. We were under the dark under the dominion of darkness, separated from Christ, sick, lovers of darkness, a slave to sin, blind and dead in our transgressions. Those are all the things before we came to know Christ we were. Do you guys believe that about yourself? Do you believe that? Or are you just good enough? Paul continues in Ephesians 2. We were disobedient. Verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit which is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul tells us how we were disobedient before we knew him. And we followed three spiritual forces. The forces, um, or the first force, was the way of the world. We first followed the way of the world. Paul in verse 2 says, Sin, which you used to live in when you followed the ways of this world, Plain and simple, Paul is saying that the person who is not saved follows the ways of the world. This person is subdued by culture. They value the things of the world that are contrary to God's word. They will live by a standard of being good, by their judgment, not God's standard. It reminds me of 2 Timothy 3. And um, many of you are familiar with the 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, Unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. So what Paul is saying is there's these people who used to be disobedient. Before they knew Christ, they were disobedient. And it just reminds me of of what Timothy's telling us here. John would say it this way, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of the Father lives forever. So we followed the ways of the world before we became believers. So then as believers, now... What does that mean? We shouldn't be following the ways of the world. Not only did we follow the ways of the world, we followed the prince of the air. Now, the prince of the air is Satan. So we followed him. We followed our sinful desires, according to verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we by nature deserving, we, by, uh, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So we were doomed because of our sin, because of our cravings, because of our lack of self-control. 
because of the lack of blood of Jesus and being a born-again new creation, we were deserving of wrath. Aren't we thankful that this is what God has saved us from? Because of sin, we were under the judgment of God. He had the right to condemn us. He had the right to do whatever he wanted to us. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So when people say that there's no hell, just quote Ephesians 5, 6. God's wrath will come on those who are disobedient. We often think that the Old Testament was God's wrath and the New Testament of him being passive. That's not true. Right now, God is being patient because of his son. But we must know that the coming wrath for the disobedient, the coming wrath for those who are doomed, the coming wrath for those who follow the ways of the world is far greater than any wrath that we've ever seen in the Old Testament. Hebrews 10, uh, 31, or sorry, 30 and 31. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is dreadful. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the living, into the hands of the living God. God will judge the ungodly. God will judge the disobedient. God will rightly punish sin and sinners. But the good news, you're like, I thought this was saved by grace today, Joey. I think we need to remember who we used to be. Because sometimes we can just walk around like, you know what, don't stink. Like we're just better than everyone else because we compare ourselves to the world rather than comparing ourselves to him. Of course you're a good person comparing yourself to the world. You only smoke three uh, packs of cigarettes during, during uh, whatever break, right? And you know what, just to be clear, smoking cigarettes doesn't send you to hell either. Just to be clear, I hear someone saying, what, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Either way, just because we compare ourselves to the world doesn't mean that we're better. We have to remember our depravity. These are, this is how we used to be. And Hebrews tells us that those who will be judged this way, a specific, those who will be judged for being disobedient fall into the hands of God, and that is scary. God will judge the ungodly. But the good news is for those who are in Christ, they will not receive this wrath that is coming. God's wrath was poured out on his son so that we didn't receive that wrath. Therefore, we are spiritually alive. Amen? So with Christ, we are spiritually alive. So Paul is saying, hey, here's how you used to be. Here's how you used to be. But because of Christ now, he's starting to say, we are made spiritually alive. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. While you were in your transgressions, it was by grace you have been saved. Not because you woke up one day and thought that you wanted to come to him. Simply because he's saying, hey, it is by my grace. Verse 6. And God raised up with Christ and seated, with, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So through our mess, through our sin, through our pride, 
through our lust, through our greed, through our gossip, through our transgressions, he made us alive in him. He didn't wait for us to become lovable enough before we, had, before we could experience his grace. God made the first move. When you were born again, it wasn't because you became good enough for him. It was because you were saved by grace. He made the first move. Yet while we were still sinners, you hear that? Yet while we were still sinners, he died for us. Romans 5.8. Now, we sit there, right? Yet while we were still sinners, he made the first move. It wasn't about us becoming holy enough or good enough or lovable enough. We agree with that, right? He did it. Won't he do it? He will. But I want to push us a little bit here. As I've been studying, God didn't just save us from hell. You realize that? He did save us from hell, but he didn't just save us from that. He saved us from the death that sin brings. He saved us from living for ourselves rather than living for him. Here's what I mean. Paul in verses 1 through 5 is talking to the Ephesians in a manner that talked about how they used to be in their past. He says, you were alienated from Christ. You were dead. You were a slave to the prince of the air. You used to be a slave to the world. You used to gratify the cravings of the flesh. So you were, you were, you were, you used to be, you used to be. But because of God and his great love for us, by his grace, we were saved. I don't want the applause yet about being saved by his grace. I want us to hear this. Paul is not saying that by grace we were saved and we, and we can continue to live as we used to be. What I believe Paul is pointing to is that God's grace absolutely transforms someone from who they used to be to someone completely new. That's why Paul says that we used to be. I used to love money. I used to love pride. I used to love myself. I used to love, insert, whatever. Paul did not say this. Because of God's grace, hey, you used to love money. You used to love sex outside of marriage. You used to love yourself. You used to love whatever. So now because of God's grace, you can continue to do those things. Did Paul say that? No, what Paul was talking to the Ephesians about, he's Hey, you're saved by God's grace. He came to you. He did the work. He did everything. So since you're saved, this is who you used to be. And now, Paul, I believe he's saying is you can be more than just declaratively that as well. I'm not preaching holiness. I'm not preaching works. I think that, there, I, I think that I'm preaching, trying to preach, trying to share, over-communicating, that I believe that when the creator of the universe comes to live inside of us, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, when God makes us a new creation, we have everything we need because we're saved by grace. We're not only, because where, where we stop is we think that being born again means that, hey, I'm no, I'm no longer going to hell. But born again also means that I have everything I need because I'm saved by grace to not do the things that I used to do. I don't have to live how I used to live. 
Now, because of God's grace, we can be different. But there's tension here. I know there's tension in the room. There's tension as I studied. There's tension as I brought it up in the prayer meeting. There's tension as we sit here. There's tension, and we might be feeling this tension because, um, because in our own efforts, we can't please God. We can't. In our own efforts, we can't make him happy with becoming holy. So the tension that you might be feeling is that I'm telling you that in your own effort you can please him, but I'm not. This is the tension that I want you to feel. God's grace didn't come for me to continue in the ways of the world. Amen? God's grace empowers me to be different. Amen? And the way that I am transformed is I was saved by grace. For it is by grace I have been saved. So we must ask the question, are we living currently in the actual transformative power of being saved by grace? Or did I say a prayer once and now living by works? Did I say a prayer once and now living by works or am I actually living in the transformative power of the creator of everything, the son who died on Calvary? I think if we're living by the son of Calvary, we will have good days and rough days. But we are empowered to not be who we used to be. If we said a prayer once, and then we're striving and we're wrestling and we're fighting to do works to earn our way. We're missing it. That's not what it was. We are saved by his grace. Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not about yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. boast. So... This is by grace, his undeserved favor, his empowerment to overcome sin, his ability given to us to live not as we used to, his putting us in heavenly places. This is his grace. This is what his grace is doing in us. So it is by grace we have been saved. But his grace comes through faith. Now, through faith, obviously, means this is a response. His grace comes through a response to him, a response to his offer. God is offering us something. Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So you were included in um, in Christ when you heard the message of truth, when you believed. So when we responded to him. When the Ephesians were included with Christ and received the Holy Spirit, when they responded to the message, they heard the message, then they believed. By faith is an action of believing and trusting his grace. I think what I'm calling us to today is to trust God's grace at the next level. Not just trust God's grace to save us from hell, but to trust God's grace to save us from today, to save us from the argument. You know, the other day, um, Macy and I were on the bike path, and um, there was this gentleman a ways up, and I understand typical bike path protocol is if you're coming up behind someone to honk your horn, ring your bell, or say something, right? On your left, coming up behind you. Macy's zooming. Watch out for that lady. Whatever it may be, right? So this guy's just cruising, but the closer we get, he has, he's way over on the right doing his thing just in his world. And he has a Bluetooth speaker just jam into his music. And I'm like, well, how am I even going to say anything? I'm just trying to 
stay up with Macy on her new bike. I'm just breathing, catching my breath. How am I going to say anything? But he's over there in a safe place listening to his loud ACDC music. This guy was over 60, right? He was jamming. <laughs> I wanted to say some other things, but I'll filter them. Yes. So what ends up happening is instead of saying something, I just decided to slow down, right? Just put on the caution triangle, slow down. So we went past him slowly, creeped over and just said, hey, have a good day, have a nice evening, have a good night. And uh, I get a little bit up ahead and then Macy passes him. And he has the audacity to yell, Hey, next, what was it? Hey, next time, why don't you yell and tell me that you're coming? Everything goes through my mind there. Critical things, right? Michelle told me not to say them. <laughs> I'm filtering them. Some critical things. And it wasn't far from where we parked. But typically what went through my mind is, what good was it going to be for me to, say, coming up on your left when you're jamming to your music? The music was so loud, I'm not even sure he could hear anything I was saying. Now the point is this, is when I became a new creation, when, when the presence of God came to live inside of me, when I want to be a host of his presence, I want him inside of me. I want him to feel comfortable with me. I want him to lead me and I want to look to him. When that gentleman, or can't even say that, right? When that worldly man <laughs> popped off on me and my bride, the thoughts came to my mind and I said, God, how should I respond? Because, because of the Holy Spirit in me, I didn't respond the way I wanted to. Amen? So instead of saying, instead of saying, God's grace allows me to get off my bike, put it in front of this older gentleman, take his Bluetooth speaker and throw it in a pond, grab Macy's little knife out of her pouch, flatten his tires, and then invite him to church? <laughs> I didn't do that. Now, you guys would agree that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to have self-control. By grace, I was saved from acting worldly. Amen? So if by grace I've been saved to not do that, then how far can God's grace go? What else was I saved by? I was saved from gossip. I was saved from lust. I was saved from the love of money. I was saved from becoming my own God. Amen? Don't give up. So... Um, by faith in action of believing and trusting his grace, we get to trust him even more. I've heard it said this way, that faith is the instrument that we lay hold, of, that we lay hold to of Christ. But here's the thing, is you're saying, well, Joey, faith might be a work, and faith isn't a work. We don't lay hold of Christ through our works being saved is an absolute gift. Grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift. And faith is a gift. Some think what this verse is teaching, though, is that God gives the grace and we provide the faith and then we get saved. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is not talking about that. God gives the grace. God gives the gift. God gives the faith. God gives it all. Amen? Because if we provide the faith and then God provides being saved, then faith was a work. 
So we are saved by grace through faith. No works, no boasting, no bragging. If anyone is to be honored for your salvation, it's him. Just him. Just his grace is what saves us. Now, don't get confused with sanct- uh, don't get confused. Sanctification is not a work. As we submit to his grace, he makes us more like him. Doing works to try to earn sanctification is a work, though. So there's a difference. Life happens. Life hurts. Life's challenging. God allows things to happen. God prevents some things to happen. And it leads us to this place of becoming empty, being the deer panting for water, desiring him, longing for him, rather than saying, if I walk this person across the street, I'm earning my way to heaven. If I intentionally avoid this sin, then I, he's, um, I'm earning my way to heaven. No, he's empowered us to walk away from that sin. Either way, Paul says that we are saved by grace and grace alone, but he continues. Grace empowers us to do good works. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul makes it plain. Works are not the root Works are not the roots of our salvation, but Christ is. He's made that plain so far. But works are a fruit of our salvation. In John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Titus 2, 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. So, simply, um, but as simply as we look at being saved by grace today and what it means, we're also called to do works. We're also called to allow who we are to manifest itself. I'm stuck on the fact that those who receive grace are different. Grace comes with empowerment. People become new. People become different. The person who is saved by grace is different. They love people. They care about people. They share the gospel. And I, um, there was a study done several years ago, and I think probably every year, and most believers believe that the way that they are to share the gospel of Jesus is being a hard worker, on time, and always have hope. So people think that they share the gospel by the way that they live. Now, the way that you live matters, right? People have often said, I don't share the word of Jesus by sharing the gospel. I share, I become Jesus to people. Like, Well, Jesus still shared the gospel. Like Jesus still spoke the truth about what was coming and that he was going to die. He didn't just say, I'm going to live as Mother Teresa and be really kind. Jesus still spoke of the cup that he was going to drink. And it was the joy that was before him to do that. And much of the church thinks that if they just live nice and they live appropriately, that that, that's them sharing the gospel. And the fact of the matter is this. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. So as the church, we have to ask ourselves, hey, if, if I am a new creation, if I am rooted in him, if, if he is living inside of me, then why am I not participating in what Ephesians says, these good works? He created these good works for me. I am his handiwork. He has prepared in advance for me opportunities to share his goodness. And where we have made sharing his goodness is being a hard worker. No. There's some worldly people who are hard workers than the church. You want to know why? Because the church has found grace. Come on, somebody. 
There's some hardworking people who've never known Jesus. So these works that Jesus is, or Paul is talking about here is we've been created in Christ Jesus to be his handiwork for good works. So if we're rooted in him, then the fruit that's going to come out of us is what? Him. When we're at work, we're not going to step away from identifying with him. When we're at school, we're not going to step away from identifying with him. When we're at a ball game or on a bike path, we're not going to back away because we are created newly, freshly. So I'm just struck by the idea that those who receive grace are different. They're eager to do good. They're eager to preach his message. Uh, Macy and I have been um, working out and running and biking for some time. And recently what we were discussing is we're just not seeing as many results as we like. Anyone ever done that? You work out and you feel like you're fairly consistent. Now here's the thing. Um, until I hurt my ankle, I run just like every day, three to five miles every day. And then I've been biking a lot too. Jonathan and Dimitri can attest to it. Just like, I think that because I do that every day, that the results are going to look a certain way. And they haven't. Because here's what I think. I'm getting older, right? So my metabolism is slowing down. And then also, I'm, as much as I'm working out, I'm eating even more. So what we've been discussing is maybe we're not who we think that we are, right? Like maybe we think that because we're doing this amount that we should go be, I should go be Mr. Olympia. Or maybe I can go run this fast of a mile. And what I mean by that is sometimes, as the church, is sometimes we just, we make ourselves out because we think about God a lot, because we are battling a lot in our minds, we think that we're doing the work of God because we think about him a lot. We think that we bring him up because we go to church and we listen to Air One and K-Love or um, what's the new one now? What's it called? Rise. Yeah, it's Rise now. Or we listen to Rise. We're not good enough here in Mechanicsburg to really get it, so... You West Liberty spoiled people. So we think of our, our, ourselves as a certain way because we, I guess here, brass tacks, here's what I'm saying. In this study, they asked Christians, how many of you have clearly shared the gospel with someone the past year? Under 10% of the people said that they, Christians, regular attenders in church, they said this, under 10% in the study clearly shared the gospel with a coworker, a friend, or a neighbor within the past year. Isn't that a devastating statistic? That is a devastating to say that we are the church and the way that I share the gospel is by being nice. And I'll tell you this, sharing the gospel, there's one way to be explicitly clear about who Jesus was, what he did, and that he's the only way. Being saved by grace means that we will do works. And these works will be works of him. And the works of him can come in being nice, can come in encouraging people, can come in financially being gracious and giving but it also comes in explicitly sharing who Jesus is. Paul said we are his workmanship. We belong to God once we are saved. And now God wants to work through us. He will work through us as his handiwork and his workmanship. And because we are God's workmanship, people should see our lives and recognize that God is in it. Matthew 5.16 in the same way, let your light shine before man so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven.
Again, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're wrapping up. But I want to talk about this tension of today. There's tension today. Paul talks a lot about who the Ephesians used to be. For those in Ephesus, who they used to be. Yet many Christians still live lives that they used to live. Isn't that kind of scary? Paul also says that it is by grace through faith you have been saved, and it is a gift from God so that no one can boast. Yet many try to earn their way. And then there's even more tension from there. God says it's not about works, but then Paul continues to say what? Hey, uh, go and do good works. There's tension. There's tension. There's this uniquely godly gifted opposites that are saying you can't earn your way, but go do good works should come out of you. This is who you used to be, but you're also saved by grace. And there's this tension that just, you, you always want to sway to one side. And he's like, no, I got to push you back to the middle. Good works don't earn your salvation. But though they don't earn your salvation, they prove that you are eager to do good. And my sense over the past season is that many of us are caught in this tension. And when we get stuck, our typical approach, not for everyone, I'm not pointing fingers at everyone, I'm, this message is for the person who needs to hear it today. But our typical approach for some today has been that God's grace forgives me rather than empowers me. When God's grace saved me, it saved me from hell rather than what's coming tomorrow. But today I want to tell you this. You have been saved by grace. And in grace, you have, in him, you have everything you need to overcome. Everything you need to overcome sin, everything you need to overcome death, it is finished. Everything you need. So the question is this, is do you want him today? Do you want that today? I want the power that comes with being saved by grace through faith. There's a power that comes with that. I want that power. I don't, I want to look to him more often than not. And I want to encourage you out of the book of Timothy as we wrap up. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 10. So MCF, individuals, speaking to myself as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For this spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit that God gave you gives you power, gives you love, and gives you self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9. He has saved us and called us to live a holy life, not because of anything we have done, right? But because of his own purpose and what? Grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and mortality to light through the gospel. So we are saved by grace. And today, I just wanted to provide us an opportunity. Um, his grace is always here. His grace is always knocking. Provide us an opportunity to say, God, I want that power of that grace. There's evidently power 
Don't you hate the word evidently too? Because when you say evidently, it means that you might not be experiencing it. Allegedly. And I don't believe allegedly. I know that there's power behind it. If I believe that Jesus saved me from hell, he can also save me from myself. There's power that comes with his grace. We are saved by grace. But to do that, what we have to be willing to do is just acknowledge him. Hey, I've been following myself. God, I've been following myself. I've made a lowercase God. A tried to make it an uppercase God. I've focused on these things. And I haven't focused on you. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want your grace that empowers me. Empowers me to live um, saved from sin, saved from myself. Father, grace that um, empowers me to live a self or a disciplined life, a loving life. I just wonder if there's anyone in here who just, uh, by a raise of your hands, just in a mission of, God, I want that power. I want to be saved by that power. I need to re-up with that power today. I need to focus on you. I see hands raised. That's good. Amen. A bunch of hands raised. Father, I pray that we just position ourselves today to thank you for being saved by grace. But I pray that we would go home and study what grace means, that that transformative grace would come in, the alpha and the omega living inside of us. May we not deny the Holy Spirit talking to us. May we not deny the power um, when temptation comes. Father, I pray that right now that we would repent of our sins. Just get rid of the things that we have um, become enslaved to once again. May we turn from them. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would increase with us. I pray that we would open up the door of our hearts today. Father, I thank you that no work, no work can earn our way to you. We are saved by grace, but we're also saved unto more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.